Welcome to the Truth For Doubt podcast, where we like to talk about theology, apologetics, and try to have a little fun along the way. Join us as we navigate through life from a Christian worldview. Welcome to the Truth For Doubt podcast, the only podcast where we have a one studio audience member watching us this time around uh, in the form of Paul Wilson. Yay! Yay! Paul Wilson's here. <laughs> uh, I'm also joined by Katie Wilson. Hello. Yes. Um, so we're doing things a little bit different because, uh, not Paul, you're Paul, uh, Ethan Hunley, who's usually here with us, had to like save lives tonight or something stupid. Did he like get that. called into work? I, I'm thinking that's what it was. It's not really stupid. He's a doctor and does cool He really things. does save people's lives. Yeah. So. so, But he's not here with us because of that, but... Katie is here tonight, but she couldn't be here tomorrow night to record because you guys are going on a cruise. Ah, uh, yes. We're so excited. Yeah. So where are you guys going again? Bahamas, Nassau. Oh, man. When you guys, I'm not going to lie. When you guys said you were going to Nassau, I, for some reason, like associated it with NASCAR. No, we're like, not so taking a cruise going... to NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, right. To, to tour the NASCAR. The island of NASCAR. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, we're not doing that. Well, that's cool, though. That's going to yeah, be really excited. fun. Yeah, we're excited. So we're actually splitting this up into two segments where I'm going to talk with Katie about our topic for today, and then I'm going to talk tomorrow with Ethan about our topic, and then kind of mash them together. And so I think we're going to do it just a little bit like interview style, not 100% interview style, but just, I don't know, there's only two of us today, so. Yeah, we'll see how, we'll see how this goes. We'll see how it goes. It could just end up in a horrible failure, but I think it'll be fine. So um, I think let's just jump straight okay. into it because we only have 30 minutes to talk about this. But you and Ethan, I think, were the ones who mentioned doing Enneagrams. Yeah. You didn't really... I've never really heard you talk about it that much. Yeah. But I've talked about it several times or and I follow some Enneagram people on Instagram. Well, it's Enneagram it's and really Instagram. Popular. Yeah, it is. Other yeah. podcasts are doing a lot of stuff with it too. Right. So it's just, it's everywhere. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, there was, I think there were some people when I was in Germany doing, doing our missiological study stuff, I think we had some classmates who were into it too, who were, mm. they're just into the personality trait stuff yeah. in general. So, but yeah, and I was honestly kind of a little worried about how it was going to translate into an apologetics podcast. But the more I looked into it, the more I was like, oh, that actually fits pretty well into an mm. apologetics podcast. Because I started kind of digging deep into the history of the Enneagram, where it came from, yeah, like I, its roots yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I did not know anything about that. Right. And so, like, what did you know about it? Because you said um, that you listened to podcasts All I know, all I know is that the person, or all I knew is a type of personality. It's not really, people really wouldn't say it's a personality test. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they would say. Um, I guess it explains more your motivations for things. Right. Um, but yeah, so I'd heard about it on some podcasts. I'd taken a million tests and every time I got something different. Yeah. Um, and I pretty much told Paul what I thought he was. Yeah. I read all this stuff and he took the quiz and he got what I said. Oh, okay. But I I don't know. Um, which sure. we're gonna talk about why I got so many different um numbers. But I really I think um I mean, who doesn't like a good personality test? You know, I did one on the way over here. And guess what Disney oh. princess I am? Belle. <laughs> yeah. 
That's what I did. Hey, so. Do you think she's a bell? Am I be- Am I bell? Is that accurate? Wait, is it just because you like reading books? Here's the question. One of them was, would you? Re- what would you like to do? And one of them yeah. was read a book, and I oh, picked that. Okay. Well, then it's like and it then skewed it said, the rest of the thing. Where would you like to go? And I picked Paris. Right. And which that is it? Being the Beast in France, I think it is. I don't think I ever actually knew that. I think it's a French. T- yeah. So anyway. Okay. I'm, I just love those. Yeah. So if yeah. there's something that can tell me something funny about myself. Wait, real quick. This is getting a little off into the weeds, but did you take a, a, a Hogwarts house test? I think I have taken that before. Mm-hmm. What did you get? Because uh, I, I know you have. Yeah. Well, several times. Yeah, obviously. I'm sure. I got, uh, I got Ravenclaw. Even though I really wanted to be in Gryffindor, I got Ravenclaw and it makes sense. I don't understand. So. I don't remember, but I don't even know enough about them all. Like, I know yeah. Slytherin, you don't want to, who wants to be in that? Nobody. Evil people. If you do that, you're going to take it again, so you don't. Yeah. And then Gryffindor, <laughs> exactly, you yeah. like that one. I don't yeah. know anything about the other two, really. Yeah, so, so. Hufflepuff is just nice people. Um, what about Ravenclaw? And stuff. Ravenclaw is like you, you read and study you read. and things like that. But, <laughs> you read but and it's study. also for like academics. And like I was a horrible student, like really but bad But now student. you're a good student. Well, no, I think I think I just like looking into the things I'm interested in. But if it's something that I'm not interested you don't in, do it. then I could care less about right. it. Like math. I hate math. Anything that has to do with math, I just don't care about. I don't whatsoever. like math either. Um, so anyway, but I, yeah, I was a Ravenclaw, but... I really wanted to be in Gryffindor, but I had to follow my heart. Anytime so. any of those pop up on Facebook, I do it every time. <laughs> and I do them multiple times, sometimes, <coughs> to just get the one that I want. Yeah. yeah. So that tells you right there that <laughs> right. The, you can manipulate it how, yeah. however you want. Well, the Enneagram thing has really gotten popular like amongst Christian circles specifically. Yeah. Um, because I've seen so many articles about it. Uh, I've also read recently that there's even uh, Catholic training seminars and stuff that are based Mm. around the Enneagram as well and how you can become better spiritually because of the Enneagram and things like that. Interesting. I've seen some things where it's like, how does the Enneagram affect or what does it have to do with ministry? Right. Which I don't really... Yeah, it's, know where they're going with that. It's but, kind yeah. of it's kind of odd that it's become this this fascination, but it, uh, at the same time, it doesn't really surprise me too much because, like the Myers Briggs thing was really popular. Like if yeah. you were in, I don't remember all the different types, but like it, I don't know. I remember I was like an INFJ or something like that. I don't remember what they all mean, but it it told you your personality and your personality traits, which personalities that you got along with, which ones you didn't get along with. But the only problem with those is that they eventually kind of fell out of favor. Because the science on them didn't really come back to positively. Yeah, didn't a lot of um, psychologists they or psychiatrists? Which one? Psychologists. Psychologists. Yeah. Use that for like a long time. Yeah, right? they used it for and then a, they a realized short amount of time. Yeah. For a short yeah. amount of time. That's what I. That's kind and of. And then. Yeah. Well, they and, realized. And then they realized that it was not very. It wasn't very accurate, and not only that, but it was also um, uh, unreliable because people could take the test, the exact same test, multiple times and come up with multiple Something answers. Something else. And if you know about the, the scientific method of where you want to uh, test a theory and have the results come back the same every single time, that means your, your theory or hypothesis is correct. 
that didn't happen with the Myers-Briggs Yeah, if it's thing. different every time. Exactly, then... then you can't really trust it. Yeah. And people were experiencing that, and these psychologists and these scientists who were studying the Myers-Briggs, uh, they realized that every single time somebody was taking a test, and these are these are not just the internet ones. These are like the in-depth right. ones. that the uh, real that, deal. Yeah, the real deal tests. That they came back different very often. And so you can't trust something like that, especially when it comes to personality. And one of the reasons is because people are just too complex yeah. for something like well, this. Well, that's what I always, when I take these, I'm thinking... Well, it depends on the situation. Yeah. How I am. You know, like the, the questions are so vague. Right. Do you like being around people? Well, if it's people I know, I like being around yeah, people. Exactly. If it's people I don't know, maybe not. Right. You know, so it really does depend on the situation situation, and lots of other factors. Yeah, for sure. And I think people are finding the same thing now with the, um, with the Enneagram. Like the same thing's happening. People are... Taking the test, and, and again, not this test that you find on Facebook or anything like that. These are like the ones that you even have to pay for. Yeah. Um, that have hundreds of questions, and it's coming back with the similar thing. You just get different, you know, numbers every single time you, that you take it. Um, and there's also this thing called the Barnum effect that. Um, oh yeah. That I also learned about too, where people are more inclined to agree with general statements. Um, kind of like what you said earlier, like, do you, or, or you like being around people, but also enjoy having your time own to private yourself. time, yeah, yeah. Your time to yourself. And like, that's everyone that's likes everyone. to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And so people are, uh, are inclined to agree to those kinds of things. And that's exactly what these personality tests do. They, they may seem specific, but at the same time, they're also, they're pretty general. And yeah. it kind of fits for a lot of different people, well, not just like one particular type. Anytime, yeah. And when you take it, you can see yourself being any of those things. Right. You know, like you can, like every time I got a certain number when mm-hmm. I did the Enneagram test, I was like, oh, I can kind of see that. Yeah. But each right. number is very different. So I was like, how is this, how is this going on? Because I'm getting something different every time, but I can kind mm-hmm. of make myself, um, What's the word? I can make myself kind of believe that I'm like, oh, yeah, this is me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, whatever. Right. If I just maybe sometimes because I want to. Yeah. Sometimes when I take those tests, I just put what I want yeah, exactly. or what I think. Right. I, I mean, I'm really bad about seeing myself how I really am. Or mm-hmm. it's hard to not put what, what you wish you would do yeah. in a situation as right. opposed to what you really would do. Yeah, That's exactly. hard. Yeah, I mean, because you would want to say that you would like stand firm in your convictions in any given situation but in reality you may not and yeah that may affect how you you know take the test and that's another thing that uh some of the research was coming back with was that um it doesn't really do well at testing people in real life scenarios because like you said you know you could read something and kind of picture a scenario as to when you would check yes or no on this particular thing but depending on the scenario it it that that is what determines what you right. do. Yeah. The and conditions like really do affect what you're going to do. Yeah, and absolutely. without that, how can you really choose or say what you right. would do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But going back to the Barnum effect too, I think it was really interesting is it wasn't with the Enneagram, but when they were first testing this theory um, several decades ago, they uh, did a, a personality test with I can't remember how many subjects they had, but they had you know upwards of a thousand or more, and they had them all 
do a personality test, but every single person they gave back the exact same answer. And almost every single one of the people, regardless of their answers, they gave them back the exact same Mm. um, synopsis. And every single person related to it and said, yeah, that's me. Yeah. And uh, and I think that that's kind of exactly what happens with a lot of these things. Um, Yeah, I agree. Some of them, you know, maybe not. Maybe if you take the Enneagram and you realize that um, we're going to take a pause for one second. So sorry about that. We thought someone was trying to break into our office space. So that was a little Woo! scary. But everything's fine. We're it all was right. Somebody else who works here. So it is A-OK. Yeah. Um, but no, we were talking about uh, how people typically um, will agree with pretty much whatever answer that they're given from these Yeah, you can find tests. yourself in anything. Right. Because we... Exactly. Yeah, and we're different in different situations, too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, in a certain situation... I can see how I might be a eight or a one or a four or six. Yeah. All exactly. those numbers that I got. Right, for sure. Um, but uh, one of the things that I also found really fascinating and one of the things that I think is especially important for Christians to know is is some of the history behind the Enneagram. Yes, that people because don't I really didn't know. No, I did not. And I so I'm interested either. to hear what you're going to say. Right. Well, this is how I thought it connected really well with apologetics because, you know, apologetics is all about defending the Christian faith and giving reasons for what we believe. And, and that kind of overlaps with a lot of different things. It overlaps with world religions. It overlaps with uh, science and all these different kinds of things. And so it kind of fits with the Enneagram because of its background, which actually kind of stems from uh, more occultish type things, mm. which I was unaware of. Yeah, I, w- I always think things like this, I'm just surprised that this goes back as far mm-hmm. as what you're going to say. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, some people some people want to trace it all the way back to like uh, over 2,000 years ago or even further than that, um, but it's not necessarily clear. So it's, yeah. it's possibly... That's a long time ago. <laughs> it is a long time ago, but most people trace it back to... Um, the uh, Muslim sect of the Sufis, uh, which, yeah, like I said, they were, they were more of a, a Muslim mysticism sect where mm. they thought that, you know, gaining knowledge and things like that will help you become closer to God. About yourself? Gaining knowledge about yourself? Gaining knowledge about or just yourself, in general? Gaining knowledge about the universe, gaining knowledge okay. about spiritual things and okay. all this kind of stuff uh, will help bring you into a closer relationship with God. And that's kind of what the Sufis were all about. Um, and they employed this thing called numerology, where they believe that numbers would allow you to kind of divine certain ways to get closer to God or that you can take all of the data from the universe and from the physical world, throw it into this numerology uh, system and come to a better understanding of who not only who you are, but who God is in your relationship with God. Oh, interesting. So there is this guy named George Gurdjieff, uh, and I believe that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. I trust you. Sure. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whether it is it's, or not, we just, this guy, George. George Gur- Gurdjieff. Uh, that's that's accurate. Don't look it up. That's how you pronounce it. Uh, but he's the guy that was kind of famous for bringing the Enneagram uh, into the West. And uh, When? When was this? This yeah. was kind of late 1800s. Wow. That's still a long time ago. Yeah, still, yeah, it, it actually was. Um, but it, it's kind of strange how it, that's kind of when it started becoming a thing, but it didn't really get 
popular popular until like the last and then seems to me the last few years yeah but i guess i could be wrong yeah it's like everything everybody's talking about now yeah all of a sudden it's yeah. crazy but um, he was a Greek-Armenian guy who his parents were really interested in him becoming uh, an Orthodox priest. They were really into um, the Orthodox religion and all that kind of stuff. But it's kind of funny because this guy was he was known as a liar. He wasn't really known to be uh, a very trustworthy guy, oh. especially when it comes to his age, his birth date. He would di- he would lie about his age. Yeah, like he would lie about his. Why birth would he date do that? A pathological liar. I have no idea. Um, but, uh, anyway, so his parents wanted him to become an Orthodox priest. Um, and his priest actually suggested that he go into the medical field because he was also interested in a little bit in science and things Mm -hmm. like that. But he ended up rejecting both of those things because he kind of, he was more interested in the occult and things that had to do with that. And so he rejected both of those and kind of went on this, I guess, spiritual pilgrimage around the world where he got into different religions and strange practices and things like that but he ultimately got really into this gnostic belief that he picked up from a sufi sect called no i'm gonna try to get this right called the Naqsh bandies okay Um, (laughs) yeah and so they uh they kind of believe that the under understanding this general idea of understanding uh, led to getting a soul and to God. And An understanding of what? Just the just a the universe. Understanding, yeah, this uh, understanding of the universe would allow them to gain, for one, gain a get soul, a soul, and then two, to get a um, better relationship with God and to get access to God. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so one of the ways that they did this was through the use of numerology and numerology divination. Um, and so that's kind of how this uh, uh, George Gurdjieff kind of got into numbers being such a big deal. So Stuck. did he come up with? Did he come up with the, like the Enneagram itself? Right. Or just kind of stems from this the numerology? It, it stems from the numerology. But I think that he kind of, he came up with the principle of the Enneagram. Or no, hold on. No, that's wrong. So like the Enneagram itself kind of came up from, again, from the Sufis because they had this really strange thing with decimal points and, and, oh. and I know that sounds really strange but certain numbers and decimal points correlates with these different points on the Enneagram and so when you look at like the picture of the Enneagram when you yeah. Google Enneagram you come up with these like different points yeah, and stuff. It's, it's yeah like yeah. the different numbers are kind of connecting mm-hmm. yes connecting the different numbers and stuff yeah and so like a one will be connected with a with, what are, like what does that even mean? Four. I don't know. Do you know what that means? What like, do you mean? Why are they connected? Because there's a... They uh, get along? Yeah, so Those for people... them... Oh, well, no. So, like, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly, a one is connected with a seven and a four, why? I think. Because if a one becomes too far... Oh. Or goes too close to being a seven or tries to follow a seven then his, his like spirit will be corrupted. Oh. But if he goes towards a three, then it will allow him to become closer to God. So oh, I did not realize that. Yeah, it's really it's really strange. My mouth is super So dry. you shouldn't go... So it's kind of like they're saying, if you're whatever number, you shouldn't go one way. You should strive to go this other way kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Okay. And you kind of see that now, too, with the, the demystified 
Enneagrams as well. Ones that mm-hmm. um, they kind of take in the, the occultish spiritual aspect out of it and just try to put in this kind of pseudo psychology stuff where, you know, ones get along with threes, but they don't get along with sevens. Right. That kind of thing. That's what I thought it was kind of yeah. about. But and then you hear all these people talk about um, your wing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a one wing three. Yeah, I think those are like subcategories yeah. and stuff. I don't really know a whole so lot So that's about like that. even more complex. It's so complicated. Yeah. I think there's supposed to be just like you're you're like a one, but you have like maybe like three tendencies, tendencies and things like that. Um, so anyway, so the, it was more of like a spiritual thing uh, until hmm. this uh, Gurdjieff guy met up with this other guy uh, named Oscar Ichazo, I believe his name hmm. was. He ended up rejecting his Catholic roots and was a disciple of Gurdjieff. And he held pretty much all the same beliefs that originated the Enneagram and things like that as Gurdjieff because he was a disciple. He kind of just took him at his word uh, and all those different kinds of things. But um, Gurdjieff and Ichazo are the ones who kind of like came together and made the nine types of personalities for the nine different points on the Enneagram. So it became, at that point, more of a personality trait thing okay that also still had ties to you know spirituality right the point like of it was spiritual yeah exactly like that's what it all stemmed right. from that's right. interesting yeah hmm. um and uh that so, you're striving toward certain numbers um so i think you're striving towards being who you are okay so the you're problem like is when you start, yeah so the problem is when you start moving away from your natural tendency um, and trying to move towards a like uh, the wrong way. So like again, if you're a one and you start moving to a, towards a seven, mm. the problem in your spirit starts coming along when you start trying to move away from that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so it was um, it was them with this other guy named Naranjo who helped bring it to the states, and for some reason, it really took root in a lot of Catholic circles. Uh, so, like I said before, it started being taught among these, I guess, these uh, weird Catholic sects and things like that. They started having, um, like, retreats and things that For were based on this. Why? Because why they, were they teaching it? Because they said that if you could understand your personality and you could focus on the things that made you you, then you could better yourself spiritually. Okay. And you could come to know yourself in a deeper in more spiritual sense and therefore become closer to God. Okay. And so it was just kind of like another thing to do to yeah. help you on your walk with, with God basically. So, but it's, it's really strange and that's kind of the the roots of it. And through a lot of other different processes and things like that, it kind of got demystified and people kind of took the idea of it and I guess took out some of the more spiritual aspects and put in more um, psychological aspects and things like that. And, um, yeah, and then they, that's kind of, I guess, where it is now. So when it came to the United States, do you know when that was? Um, I, I could be wrong. Like a still a while ago? It was a ago. while ago, yeah. Huh. I'm wanting to say in the 1930s, but that could be, that could be wrong. So why, so. why do you think, or do you know, why has it become such a big thing now? Yeah. All well, of a sudden. I think people are always just searching to understand who well, they are. Is it 
did they kind of talk about how the Myers Briggs thing? They kind of, they kind of took mm-hmm. that out and they needed something to replace it. Yeah, a little bit. And they picked um, that one. Yeah, but I think it wasn't on a professional level. I think it was on like a, uh, I guess a personal level. Mm-hmm. I think because people were so into the Myers Briggs thing that. Um, they were kind of disappointed, I guess, when the science came back. So they kind of tried to grasp. Yeah, so it's kind of to... filling that void that, yeah. that was left behind. But I think that's on a, uh, a popular level, not a professional level. Mm-hmm. Because the professional level has this thing that uh, you and I were talking about um, called the Big Five. Right. Which is, it, the Big Five is actually backed by science. It's used by psychologists. It's got a really good reputation it doesn't try to claim the specifics that Enneagrams and the Myers-Briggs claim, um, but the big five personality traits. Um, yeah, here, I got them. Oh, you got them? Cool. I took, yeah, a, go ahead and... I took one of them. Oh, nice. I took a test, and I thought it was pretty accurate. Um, okay, so extra, oh, wait, this is what I got. Extraversion. Is that one of them? Yeah, yeah, so like being around Whether you are or like not, that. I guess. Emotional mm-hmm. stability. Which would be... Which would be the neuroticism. Right. Yeah. Agreeableness, conscientiousness, uh-huh. and then intellect slash imagination. Okay. Yeah, that, that may be the open openness to experience, I think, yeah. possibly. Yeah. So... So what did you I did being? it. Uh, I don't... I got, I'm kind of confused on how to read this. Like, it pretty much tells you, like... Where you are. It doesn't give you, yeah, like a specific number. Mm-hmm. It just kind of shows you how much you scored on each one. And then it tells you if you scored high on this one, what this means, low on this one. Right. So yeah. my extroversion was higher. My emotional stability is lower. Oh, I'm not no. super I'm so emotionally sorry, stable. Um, but I'm very agreeable. Hey, there you go. Conscientiousness, conscientiousness, con- I cannot say that, conscientiousness, that's my lowest one. Oh yeah, this is the one, here are the questions. Mm-hmm. Do you put things back where they go? I do not ever do that. Oh, okay. Do you <laughs> worry about like where things go and things like that? Because yeah. if you're high on that, um, you that's like close, like maybe OCD or something, mm-hmm. which I am very not. Because I have right. lots of friends that are, and yeah. I'm not that way. And so that was interesting. And then the intellect slash imagination. I think I got kind of halfway. I don't know. I'm, I kind of want to look into it more. But sure. anyway, yeah. I liked how it wasn't super specific. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting because, like you said, I feel like everybody wants to know more about themselves, I guess. And Yeah, right. Well, it's kind of strange because we live in a culture where it's a very postmodern culture where we don't like to be... We, we say we don't like to be put in boxes, but we really do. I or be we, told, like, who you are. Yeah, but you exactly. want someone to, t- to tell you how you are. Exactly. Yeah. We take these tests all the time. I want someone to tell me that I'm Belle. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. And I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I want to take tests that tell me that I'm in Gryffindor. <laughs> but stupid. you're not. You're in Ravenclaw. Uh, but yeah. that's what uh, I was looking at something. It's kind of saying the results you get from that is just as valid and accurate as, like, an Enneagram yeah. or a yeah. Myers-Briggs. Like, it's... Kind of like that. It's kind of the same thing. And that's, yeah, exactly. So the difference between the Enneagram and the the Big Five, the Big Five personality traits, is, is that one, the Big Five, is actually backed by um, psychologists. It's backed by science. People are And it's been tested this. over and over. And people over get and the same. Again. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it, again, it's not trying to make these giant claims that all these other ones are. Right. Like uh, super specific. Yeah. I mean, I follow... 
some Enneagram things and it's like, mm-hmm. if you're a type six, this is what you will order at Starbucks yeah, or this is so, what book you will read. Right. That's well, too specific. What's that's strange, it's like it's specific, but it's also like generalized yeah, at the same time. at the time. same time. So like you can, I don't know. like You, you can, could find yourself in all of those. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe you'll see like one or two, like one of the specific things that's trying to claim that, that you're not and you can be like, eh, you know, maybe sometimes and then you right. just go on with it and yeah. just say, oh yeah, that's me. That's my number. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the problem with the, uh, with the Enneagram is that there's, there's none of that. So there's very little research at all with the Enneagram, but all the research that has come back says that it's not reliable. You can't, um, repeat, repeat the results, um, which means it's scientifically unreliable. Um, and it's, and it's got these really shady roots and all these yeah. different kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and so I think that. I think one that Christians should be weary about it because we are often trying to. I think we we often go to things like this where we should be going to. I guess I mean honestly the Holy Spirit. So I got this verse written down because it was really applicable. But Isaiah eleven two says, "Wisdom, understanding, and counsel are gifts of the Spirit." So these personality things that we're trying to constantly figure out about ourselves, Mm -hmm. it's something that we should be praying about and should be introspective ourselves on. And when it comes to other people, I think it can at times, not all the time, but at times kind of harm ministry because we can, we, we start taking these tests and we assume that we're experts and we look at somebody and go, oh, boom, he's a six. So he's not going to do this or he is going to do this. That's right. what I was kind of thinking. It affects the way that we treat other people Right. And I feel like, too, if your certain personality number, whatever, says that you aren't going to do these things or you will do these things, then it's kind of like, are we looking for things to give an excuse? Like, well, I can't do that mm-hmm. because that's not my personality right. or whatever. I'm nine. I can't. Do I that. can't. I'm. I don't do that. Or um, even justify some feelings that we have or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I'm this way because I'm super impulsive, and that's right. just how it is. Right. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's part of like why we search for these personality things yeah too. and i think there is an issue of putting putting people in these boxes that we shouldn't we should strive not to do um so i shouldn't assume like paul who's sitting over there i, oh. I shouldn't assume that he is going to act a certain way because of because of a number because yeah. one of the issues too with with personality tests um and is that people often hide certain things about themselves as well like yeah you know there's certain things i can't really think of any top of my head but like what you mean when you answer the thing you answer the yeah yeah or not even that but like there may be aspects about my personality that i don't always make known to the people who are around me and so these judgments that people are making about my you know quote unquote personality number could be totally off base yeah i feel like too if you are basing a lot of things mm -hmm. on a personality type mm-hmm. or number then you've kind of taken god out of the equation too because i feel like oh maybe in this case i wouldn't feel comfortable doing this mm-hmm. but if that's something that god's called me to do right that that's out of obedience you know what, yeah, what wasn't it exactly. like moses who he was trying to he was telling moses you know you need to go um 
to Egypt and he was talk. He said, I'm not a good speaker. Yeah. Like I can't do this and I can't do that. And he's probably right. like, and I'm introverted God. So yeah, I really exactly. don't want to do that. Right. You know? And so, and God was like, well, I'm doing it. So, yeah, yeah. Right. And I think that, I mean, and we're getting to spiritual gifts, but I think things like this can like spiritual gift assessments. I think this is kind of in the same category. Right. I so, actually thought that too. Cause yeah. it makes me think of that. Right. Like when you're taking a spiritual, spiritual yeah. gift. Test so like kind with of spiritual gift tests, it, I, I think they can often end up turning into a talents test. And yes. Just like, or things that you I'm, want to be good I'm at. really bad at th- doing them. Yeah. I had to get Paul to do mine one time because I was like, right. I don't even know. Because I keep right. coming up with stuff mm-hmm. by putting things that like I want to be good yeah. at. And it's not really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think there can be, obviously, there can be overlap. You know, somebody right. can be there can be benefits, naturally but... gifted at something and it be a spiritual gift from God. But other times... It, it doesn't end up that way. Because, I mean, take Paul, for instance. Paul describes himself as kind of being an ugly dude. and Or not, not this Paul. Not Sorry. this Paul. Not, not your husband, Paul. Husband, husband Paul is a, is a very handsome man. <laughs> but uh, uh, so Paul from the Bible, he describes himself as not the best looking guy. Yeah, and doesn't and he have a speech? He, like people, people think say he, he may have had a speech, yeah. But he, he says of himself that he's not a good speaker. Like he, he's but he not did. He spoke. A but lot. he was one. Of the, he was the other than you know Jesus. Obviously, he was the best evangelist in the New Testament, right? Uh, or pos- you know, probably in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is a spiritual gift. It has nothing to do with, with your personality. Your, with your personality, yeah. with your physical giftings. At times, it has everything to do with what the Spirit does through you. That think, is a spiritual gift. Yeah, I think you can really limit yourself. If you do put yourself in a box, like this yeah. personality um, type box. Right. And, and where you you're not willing. Others too. Yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, man, um, I think that's probably where we're going to have to end it. Um, we're at to be continued. minutes edits, So, yeah, to be continued. Part two with dun, dun, Ethan. Dun, dun, dun. Um, man, I hope you guys enjoy your, your cruise. Thanks. Thanks. We're excited. Yeah, no problem. You guys are going to, like, come back with. Uh, we're gonna be so tan yeah you guys are gonna be super tan and then like have uh like those floral, floral yeah pattern shirts <laughs> yeah, and, and some lays even though we're not going to hawaii yeah no, hey. that's what you do when you go right, somewhere tropical right. so what do you do in the bahamas like what what's we're the... just going to the beach so this yeah. is for uh so dreadlocks. this is our oh do, do, yeah do they do dreadlocks in the that's bahamas? jamaica for oh, like okay, i don't know is, wait is the Baha- i don't know i'm not a geography expert so <laughs> i don't know where things are Paul tells me how to get places. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and this is our first, this is the longest we'll be away from our baby. So uh, we're excited, yeah. um, but we're kind of sad, but we're excited. Right, right. That's More awesome. excited, but yeah. Sure. Well, I want to end this segment with saying that, like, I don't look poorly on, on Christians who do take a lot out of the, the Enneagram stuff. I don't think that they're doing it out of bad faith or anything like that or that, like, it can't. It can't never be used as a tool or anything. Um, my wife has, I mean, she said that she's been able to use like, you know, certain personality tests to help understand me and how she reacts to yeah. the dumb things that I do. Um, I think it's so, just to be careful how you, yeah, and how, how you much it, how much you put into it. Put yeah. into it and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I don't know, maybe also on the other end of the spectrum, Christians who are like freaking out that, you know, this is an occultic thing that, you know, people who do the Enneagram thing are are going straight to hell, you know, chill out a little bit. I mean, you know, there's people who believe the same thing about, you know, Christmas, you know, that Christmas was, you know, ended up, has pagan roots and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, so this is true. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I kind of wanted to say because uh, you know, yeah, I'll just leave it there. Yeah. So, okay. Good point. Right. Well, Katie, thanks for joining me, right. and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. See you next time. Later. Welcome to part two of the Enneagram Truth for Doubt podcast. More like Devilagram. Devilagram. Um, so this is the only podcast, as you know, where you can listen to Dr. Ethan Hunley gurgle sing Tiptoes Through the Tulips by whoever sings Tiptoe Through the Tulips. And he's doing this with hot coffee. Oh, he has some weird name. I can't remember. Is it Little Tim? Timmy, something like that. Something weird, but I'm not. I gotta be honest. I don't really know. That's really hot coffee too. Don't know if I know tiptoe through the tulips, but tiptoe through the tulips. That's all I know of it. Well, you're gonna. This is. I'm about to gurgle some hot coffee. I'm kind of worried about our equipment right now. Here we go. Okay. Nope. It's too hot. Too hot. I, I at least you Ooh. tried. Are that, you okay? I cleared, out, right? I cleared out the sinuses. <laughs> that was probably a bad idea. Okay. You're Sorry. a doctor. You should have known that was not that, the uh, right thing to do. To be an idea to come up on the spot, that was a pretty good idea. Thanks. I wasn't actually going to put you through anything this time around because we have like limited time to talk, but That's true. you wanted me to torture you. so I, I miss it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I miss you. It feels like it's been a while. Like you yeah. said earlier when you came in, that... We just, man, we haven't been around each other in a while. Yeah. Other than, we had a man night the other night. And pizza. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was fun. It was that awesome. That was fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would, let's let's jump right into it. Yeah, since so we're we, talking about... we have limited time. We're talking about Enneagrams, and I kind of gave my opinion yesterday. Katie gave her opinion yesterday. I want to know Today's what all about me. Ethan Hunley's opinion is on Enneagrams. Yes. So, And I will decide if you are a Satanist or not. Okay. <laughs> so... My idea for this podcast wasn't just about the Enneagram. I do want to make that point. Oh, okay. So I would like to talk about just personality tests in general. Ah, um, right, okay. And, and sort of about um, how those play into um, ministry uh-huh. and even into apologetics. Right. Um, the pros and cons of them, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which I think you guys kind of talked about some of that yesterday. Yeah, um, a little bit, yeah. And sort of the history of the Enneagram right, and right. that kind of stuff. I so the big ones I think that are really common right now are the Enneagram, Myers Briggs. Um, really, those are the two biggies. Yeah, those are the two that I've only heard about. Yeah. So especially the Myers Briggs, I didn't hear about the Enneagram until maybe last year. Yeah, I don't it even has know. like exploded. I think in the past four or five years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm like you. I didn't hear about it till yeah maybe last year or something. Mm-hmm. Even then, I was like, what is what what is right. this new? hip thing that everyone's doing mm-hmm. um it's like cold brew and micro breweries and stuff mm-hmm. and the enneagram that's like right. what all the cool folks are doing exactly right. um, that's why i didn't hear about it until like last year yeah well i mean i love craft beer and i love coffee but you know i don't know <laughs> <clears throat> so what so, what direction did you want this to go in then? yeah so well i so i want to share a little bit about uh i guess what i think about each one of these yeah um, and then we can kind of talk about ministry sure. and apologetics. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so, so with the Enneagram, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I have not listened to what you guys talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of gave me a quick cliff notes of that right. before we started talking. But w- 
something that uh, that I found just from a little bit of research and stuff is Myers Briggs and the Enneagram. Neither are really evidence based. Mm-hmm. Um, the validity, you know, of the tests just aren't really super repeatable. Mm-hmm. You know, you give different tests and stuff to different people and or the same people, and then you get different results and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, now there's there's the big five. You know, um, ocean, mm-hmm. um, where and and from what I found, the big five really are when it comes to personality tests and mm-hmm. personality psychology. That's where all of the um, evidence is. Right. Um, so, so for those of you who are listening and they may not know what the big five are, we kind of talked about it a little bit in the previous segment. Okay. But just in case it wasn't clear, like, can you explain what the big five are? Yes. Okay. So, um, so. There's an acronym, OCEAN. So O is openness, um, and it's uh, things like your imagination, feelings, actions, ideas. Um, and again, I'm just pulling this off of Google, so there may be better explanations sure. out there. Well, one of the things that I heard was like, I think you mentioned it before the podcast, where it was like openness to new experiences. You're, you're willing to open up yourself up to new creative ideas. You're more willing to try new things and different stuff like that, right? Um, and and each of these is sort of a um, a it's like a sliding scale, isn't it? Like you're right. You're more open or you're less open, right? There's a like gradient, right. right? It's not a you 100 you are or 100 you are. It's just where you are on that sliding scale, exactly. Um, so C is conscientiousness. Um, so think like competence, um, self discipline, thoughtfulness, goal driven. Um, like the, the a low score on conscientiousness will be someone who's impulsive, careless, and disorganized, versus a higher score is someone who's hardworking, dependable, and organized. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving moving on through, uh, E is extroversion. Um, so that's pretty self-explanatory. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You on your on the less on the low score of extroversion, you're more quiet, reserved, withdrawn. And then the higher score, you're more outgoing, that kind of stuff. Um, the A is agreeableness. Uh, so on the lower score of agreeableness, uh, so if someone's not very agreeable, they're more critical, uncooperative, sort of suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, higher higher scores in agreeableness are being helpful, em- empathic, um, or empathetic, mm-hmm. um, trusting. And then the last one is neuroticism. Um, so... But that's not in like the negative sense of neuroticism that we often like. You're neurotic. You're right. just a crazy person, right? It's and again, it's more of this this sliding scale yeah. of if you if you score lower on the neuroticism, um, your scale, I guess, you're more calm, even tempered, secure. If you score higher, it's more you're more anxious, um, unhappy. More prone, prone to like prone to de- negative emotions. Yeah, like depression and things like that. Right. Yeah, and so and one so, of the, oh sorry, yeah, go no, ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Who's the most agreeable? <laughs> I Not, am. Oh, rats. Okay, so um, I'll go then. So, okay. Well, then you go. What's going on? <laughs> we need to cut all <laughs> we're, of that out. We're too oh nice. Uh, so, no, one of the people that I heard talk about this the most, and this is where I heard it from before anything else, even before we started looking into the Enneagram stuff, was... And this was guy isn't a Christian, but... Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Exactly, I was yeah. just listening He's to the first, up all the time. very first podcast. Yeah. We talk about Jordan Peterson like 15 I know, times. we need to find a new philosopher, uh, psychologist guy. But um, anyway, so he, he it's kind of interesting how he uses it, because, I mean, he, he was saying that this very much correlates with science and that you can rely on this and people use it. Right. And it's on this sliding scale. So right. it's not this, like... 
super specific, like you're a this INFJ, so you do this, 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 right. this, and that's so you're your referring to the Myers Briggs. Yeah, the Myers Briggs right yeah. there. Um, but uh, it, he says that it's really interesting because people who score a little bit higher on the openness to new experience usually politically are more on the left um, mm-hmm. because they, you know, they're more liberal and more. Um, like open into new open and open to new experiences and things yeah. like that, which isn't always good, but it's also really good for like entrepreneurship. So they always have these new ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you are higher on conscientiousness, then you are more likely to be on the right because you are more interested in systems and running things well uh, and organization organization and things like that. And so in order to have like a really productive society or even a really productive business it you need both mm-hmm. because the people who are more open to new experiences who are on the more liberal side they will come up with the ideas for the new business but then they need people on the other side to actually run the new business and so it's just kind of funny how these things kind of you know correlate right. and interact with one another right. it's like we were made to live in community or something it's something like right? that man it's oh, crazy man i know who knew but it's just cool when he was talking about how you could even see that play out in in the political life and unfortunately it's kind of turned a little on the gross side but still right. like it's neat right anyway right. so keep going yeah so, so the five big five big what, what the big five the big five yeah there we go <laughs> so so the big five what we just talked about are the evidence-based um sort of personality traits yeah that are out there um from what i've found uh they are sort of where all of personality, psychology, mm-hmm. um, all of it's, like I say, quote, evidence-based stuff and the studies and, and things come from. Right. Um, now, now you you compare that with these other two things that are very common. So the Myers-Briggs um, and then the Enneagram. Uh, so Myers-Briggs, there are eight different, I guess, personality traits and, and so it calls you one or the other. So introvert versus extrovert. Yeah. Thinking versus feeling. Um, and there are a few more. I don't remember them all. Yeah. Um, but from what I found is that's just not, it's just not evidence-based. Right, right. Um, but it's super common. And it's used in, in, the, in corporate workplaces. Mm-hmm. It's used in, um, you know, hospitals and uh, churches and lots of different um areas of business as a tool to kind of help you understand yourself and the mm-hmm. way that you kind of process things and think mm-hmm. and also to help you understand others and help you understand your coworkers. Mm-hmm. And so you may be able to see like, oh, okay, they have a tendency to see things and to think through things this way. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a tendency to do things another way, but if we understand these things, it may help us communicate better. Sure. Um, and so, and so in that way, I think, that even if it's not technically evidence based, um, if 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 studies like if tools like this can mm-hmm. help us communicate better and mm-hmm. can help us understand ourselves and at least sort of begin to understand others better, um, I think they're a good thing. Now, there's a caveat to that. Any any good tool can be used in a negative light. Mm-hmm. You know, so. <clears throat> Some of the, some of the cons to that, of course, are something that you mentioned before we started talking on the podcast. Is um, you can make sort of these prejudgments of people based on that. 
or um, sort of make assumptions about a person's personality based on that when you may not fully see everything about their personality. Mm-hmm. You're just seeing a, a, a kind of a snippet, a little spotlight. Sure. Um, and so it can lead to um, confusion in that way, mm-hmm. you know, um, or causing offense to them or you know, whatever, you know. Um, so I think in that way, we have to hold it a little loosely, mm-hmm. um, no matter what it is, um, because uh, personality is so fluid. Um, yeah, you know right. what I mean. I mean, I can't say I am this personality. Yeah, and I'm that way all the time, right? Forever and ever, Amen. You know, mm-hmm. um, because it depends on the day. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, well, not so, only that, but the situation too. So one right. of the things that Katie and I talked about yesterday is that the, one of the problems with these tests, and so some of the research that I, you okay? <laughs> you okay? I'm great. Okay, um, but one of the one of the research points that I found with the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs is that it doesn't actually measure how you would react in a real life scenario mm-hmm. because the questions are so, I mean, they're so general that it's like, well, it, how you would respond to this question really depends on what you're doing. Cause like, I can't tell you how many times I've taken one of these Myers-Briggs tests cause I haven't mm-hmm. taken as many Enneagram tests, but I've taken loads of Myers-Briggs. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times where I've gone through all these questionnaires. I took one that had like 200 questions once, mm-hmm. and uh, which may not be that many, but to me it felt like a, like a thousand Takes questions. forever, yeah. Um, but so I, I went through it, and so many questions, I was just like, yeah, I, I just have to like do a coin toss because it really depends on the situation of what I would do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was just like me overthinking the question or whatever, but I was just like, I could really see myself doing two different things. And so I wonder how many of those questions that I answered where it just, it skewed my results to where like it, it wasn't actually my, what I would normally get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's one of the problems with these tests is that like, it's too, it's too broad in that it, uh, and that so when you take it, you just come up with different results every time. Right. So going back to what you were saying, so you said like, you know, a good tool can be used poorly, but do you think that sometimes this is like a, a poor tool used for a nominal good? Because I think that's sometimes what these tests are because it's it's a poor tool because it doesn't have, in my opinion, is a poor tool because it doesn't have the science to back it up because you take these things and you take it twice and you come back with two different results. Uh, and if that's the case, then like how well does it really help us communicate if it if it gives us muddied results and muddy answers, um, and and the things that you're learning from it may not necessarily really be true. I don't know. What are your thoughts on so, that? So again, you know, I think I think if we approach these things through, um, well, first off, if we approach these things first, first approaching them from a biblical perspective. I mean, right. as as Christians, um, we should first be sort of filtering everything through through the Word, um, and so I think I think we need to hold on loosely to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so holding on to sure if, if say you whatever result comes back comes back, um, and say it's not one hundred percent true. But it offers at least a little bit of 
insight to yourself mm-hmm. and and it begins to to make you sort of self-examine a little bit more um is that not helpful because in my mind that is sure and yeah. and, and I, I so i'm saying that and I, i'm seeing this as a person who really struggles to self-examine mm-hmm. so yeah maybe right. for someone who doesn't have that issue then yeah. maybe maybe it's a different story i guess for me it's it's more of a question of so some of it may not be true but some of it may be true but right. how are you distilling which is true and which is not true because so for me when i read things even if i don't like it if yeah. i'm if it's like you know you you tend to do this in a negative way your uh-huh. your personality quote you know tends to do this in a negative way if it's not true like i know that it's not true but have you ever But if it's true, even if I don't want it to be true, have I'll you be ever, like, eh, yeah. Okay, have you ever had the experience though of somebody saying and I'm not trying to like beat you up, I'm just playing no, devil's no, advocate absolutely, at this point. Because um, I, I kind of agree with you, but I kinda of disagree. But yeah. Um But have you ever had the experience of someone saying that you are a certain way, but then you just being like, No, I'm not but then everyone around you being like, Oh yeah, yeah, you actually are that way. So if you're looking at this thing and you're saying that like, oh, I'm not that way and just throwing it out, but people around you may be like, oh yeah, Ethan's really, he really is that way. And it can be even a positive trait too. Mm -hmm. It could be like, I don't know, you think you're not funny, but everyone Mm -hmm. around you thinks you're hilarious. And so you just throw out that, that funny thing. But in reality, maybe you are actually really funny, but you think it's not because you're the one looking at it and you're the one deciding what is true about you and what's not true about you. So Which that's, sometimes is right, but sometimes you're you're wrong as well. Right. So that's a good point. Um and and I think for instance, so in that example, say it was a negative trait and I'm mm-hmm. like, ah, I'm not like that. Yeah. Um but then everyone around me says, ah, you are kinda you you are actually like that. Yeah. Then again, it's it's been a useful tool. Sure, sure. Because if everyone around me is saying that, right. then it has opened my eyes to something that I clearly hadn't seen before. Right. Um, so in that situation, again, I think it's a useful tool. Um, but I, for any of these personality tests, um, I, I think you bring up a good point, bringing up the, the people who are surrounding us. Um, mm-hmm. And so also, I, I have to say, I have to give a shout out to both Lacey, my wife, mm-hmm. and then my friend, Tyler Shockey, who's a clinical psychologist. Um, I kind of talked to both of them about this beforehand. So some of these thoughts and ideas are from my conversations with them. Sure, yeah. I I can't take full credit for that. Um, But uh, I think getting feedback from the people who who are closest to us and Mm -hmm. who spend the most time with us absolutely can can be helpful, whether that's positive or negative feedback. Sure. So... I think, yes, a downside would be doing these personality tests sort of in your own bubble without getting any outside feedback. Mm-hmm. It's probably a bad idea. Sure. Um, while you still may get some positive things from it, you may not be able, you may not be getting all the benefits. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of where maybe I land on it too. Yeah. Like maybe I think it's better as like a personal tool to help maybe help you think about certain traits of your personality that you hadn't thought about before with the incorporation of people who are around you, like asking them questions about like, do you think I'm this way or do you not think I'm this way? Or do you think that this is correct? Or do you think maybe I may lean towards something else? Right. Um, 
because I think that I don't think that this is as helpful with trying to figure out other people. Because I think again, you run into that issue of like putting each other in these boxes, right? And, um, I don't know. It's kind of like going. So, like, this is kind of where the apologetics may be coming into play as well. Because mm-hmm. one of the things, one of the principles in apologetics, and we've talked about it on a previous podcast, is that you can go into a conversation with somebody from a like an atheistic worldview, mm-hmm. and you may know more about atheism than that atheist does, and just assume that they believe certain things. And then you base your whole conversation on those assumptions and you can realize that you've gotten it totally wrong and they right. don't actually hold to those things. And so I think the same thing can happen with these personality tests because, um, uh, so, <laughs> so this is really funny, but we were, my wife and I were watching a flat earth, uh, a flat earth documentary Yeah, and it is, did you, did you happen to watch it? I haven't at seen all? it yet. Oh, it's but the I, I plan funniest on watching thing it. ever. It's <laughs> so good. Um, but so there's this woman on there who was like a some sort of scientist. I don't know the name of it exactly, but okay. uh, anyway, so she really smart woman was on there, and she was talking about this um, psychological effect where people who know very little about a subject think that they're experts, but mm-hmm. people who know a lot about the subject realize how much they don't know, like doubt how much they know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've so, heard. I've heard of that. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I think the same thing can happen with these psychological examinations or these personality tests where people think they become Enneagram experts or Myers-Briggs experts and they think they can diagnose people with their numbers. Yes, and And that's a problem. And I think that's a problem and I think in ministry it can harm things because, again, you're starting to put people in these boxes. I think you become, like, obviously not everyone Mm. who likes Enneagrams are this way. At yeah, all, I'm not right. saying that. Yeah, I this think is, there's a this is right. This is this example is taking it sort of to the extreme, to, like what to, could, to one side, something right, that could happen, yeah. right? But I think that you could start becoming judgmental and start calling these people as like, oh, that guy's a three. Of course, he's right. gonna act that, that guy's way. such a three. I yeah. know when he really may not be because you don't know him well enough, right? But, so I think that in ministry, I think these things can help sometimes, but I think they can also hurt. But one of the things that I, I wonder, and maybe it's just because it's not well known, because mm-hmm. I didn't know about it, why don't we move away from things like the Enneagram and things like the Myers-Briggs to things that actually have scientific backing, like the Big Five? So why don't we concentrate more on that? And I think part of the reason is because people don't know about it. Yeah, I and mean, I didn't know about it before looking up some things me prior neither. to this podcast. Me neither. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, until Jordan Peterson came yeah. along. I mean, my friend who's a clinical psychologist, Tyler. Yeah, like he knew about it. Right. So I mean, it's taught in psychology in the psychology world. You right. Know? Yeah. Exactly. But it's not really out there. Yeah, and I think I wonder too. Like if if we put so much stock into these personality traits that we start seeing them as that instead of I don't know, just people made in the image of God as well, and yeah. we also start. One well, and that that comes back to again making sure you're seeing things through the word of God. Yeah. Prior to all this all this personality stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and not only that, but maybe we are so I was talking about this with Katie and I was wanting to get your opinion on it too. But we live in a a postmodern culture, right? And right. postmoderns hate being put in boxes, or at least they say they hate being put in boxes and mm. they hate labels. 
because they think that they don't really mean anything and everything's fluid and all that mumbo jumbo. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I think people love it and they seek it out and they want to be labeled by something. Yeah. And that's why they seek out these these personality traits in, because in, they want to feel like they belong to something. Yeah, yeah. In this situation, definitely. Yeah. Um, like, and, well, and that's something that... Um, something else that I thought about was... So with the with the Enneagram, something mm -hmm. that I think makes it more popular now mm -hmm. is that, in my experience, it's not... Sure, you can take... Like, you could take a test or a little quiz online, and then it could give you whatever your number is. Right. But in my experience, it's more of a... Like, you just, like, read through all of them, and, like, whichever one, like, tugs at your heartstrings the most is probably what you most identify with. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not necessarily a test kind of a thing, but it's more of a self-identifying, like, okay, which one of these do I most identify with? And, w again, with the understanding that, like, personality is fluid, like, I might most identify with this today, but I might most identify with something else in a different situation, mm -hmm. another number in a different situation, or in a different time. Right. Um. And uh. And I promise I was going somewhere with that, and then I lost it. Well, I think you were saying we were talking about how people like to be. Oh, people like yes. Sorry. So something that again, uh, I was talking with um, my friend about was. People like feeling like they're not the only people feeling their feelings. Right. People don't want to feel alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why the Enneagram has become so popular mm -hmm. is because it's like it's much more detailed than like the Myers-Briggs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like with the Myers-Briggs, you're one or the other, you're one or the other, you're one or the other, you're one or the other. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, yeah, so you're one or, you know, and... But, like, there's not a lot of detail to that. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the Enneagram, it's it's very detailed. It's mm -hmm. like, if you're a number one, you're, you're, you're almost that super conscientious person who mm -hmm. is, like, very ordered, very orderly. I, I need things a certain way. Um, and, then, and then, again, like we talked about before, it'll say, like, if, if you identify with this most commonly under stress you're going to tend to act more like whatever number you mm -hmm. know and, or if you are tending towards um a more healthy mental state mm -hmm. you're going to tend towards this other number um and so excuse me there's fluidity in that yeah and i think people like knowing i think when people read through those and find something that they um uh, identify with it can be eye-opening to them thinking, oh, I'm not the only person who has these thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Other people may have these thoughts and feelings. And now, does some of that relate to the Barnum effect? Probably so. Right. I mean, just like... And, and again, I kind of compare it to, um, like, the placebo effect sure. in, in medicine. Like, which is... It's absolutely real. The placebo effect totally works. Right. If someone believes that a sugar pill or that something is helping... Mm -hmm. Even if it's not evidence based and it's not necessarily helping, um, if they feel like it is, then it may be. Even if it's just uh, an emotional help, sure, or and a mental help, mm -hmm. um, 
like if it helps it helps even if it's not quote evidence based sure now are there some downsides to that yeah and that comparison doesn't completely hold up but yeah, yeah. i guess my my issue with that is that like as christians we should hold truth as as one of the fundamental principles of our life yeah and for the main reason is that that truth stems from from God and yes. in God's character. Yes. Um, and so, if we are looking at something that is not based in an actual truth, then yeah, it may give us this emotional comfort. But is it real? And is it really going to hold up? Because the things that we're looking at may not actually be true, even if it's giving us a. a like this this momentary comfort of who we are as people and and i think that if we use so there's this there's this concept in what's called kantian ethics Mm -hmm. where he says that if you want something if you want something to be a an ethical approach to life Mm -hmm. then it needs to be universally applied and if you can apply it universally then it is then yeah okay go for it um so in this instance I think that if we take the Kantian approach of like, yeah, your results may not necessarily be true when it comes to the Enneagram, but it helps you anyway and it makes you feel good about your personhood, then then it's good. Yeah. Well, but if we if we apply that to other areas of life, then then we quickly see how that that kind of breaks down. Right. Well, but you're putting everything together as as true. Like, for instance, so uh, if I say I'm a six. And some of some of what is what is in the description of a personality of a number six mm-hmm. um, can't like may be true for me. Um, it's it. I'm I guess I'm not saying that it could all be false, but if it makes you feel better, great. Mm-hmm. I guess that's not really the point that I was making. Okay. Um, I, I think the point that I was making is that some of it I think does apply to people, and sure. I think some of it is true. I mean, I, I can I can look at it and find true things about my own personality. Right. Really, in a lot of the numbers, you know. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't. I agree. I don't think that that will be a healthy way to do it. Mm. Um, because yeah, if it's if it's all false, and you're just believing that it's true, then yeah, like I see what you're saying completely. Mm. Um, but that's not really the point that I was making. I was sure. really, because I, I think that there is some truth in there. Sure. Um, so to say that something is 100% true or 100% the opposite, I'm not sure. Because again, personality is so fluid. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm just not really sure that would be the. Right. Yeah. I, I guess. I don't know. Well, I just keep going back to like, if, if you can look at all the numbers and find something about yourself in all of them, then what would be the point in any of them then because most people and again this may be more of a what is it the barnum effect yeah most people will mostly relate to one of the numbers well i think the point of the barnum effect is that it doesn't matter what number you get you'll relate to it yeah but and if you if you take the test and you come up with the with a different number each time then like at what point do you just kind of? And I'm sorry, I'm kind of being harsh on it at the moment no, because I'm I, just trying to work through my and, own thoughts well, and feelings and, about it too. And I don't want it to sound like I'm like 100 because I'm I'm kind of on the side for it right now. Sure. But, yeah. Well, I've kind of put you there. Like I kind of backed you into. Well, like, no, that's okay. But, I. Uh, but I guess 
like if you if you take the enneagram and scientifically it doesn't hold up because it's inconsistent mm-hmm. and you take the test and you come up with a different number each time at what point does it just have no meaning because you could be any number and like you could have this emotional attachment to this number right now but take it one more time and you could have this emotional attachment to another number and it's just like what at what point does it just become well it doesn't really matter because this thing says i'm every single number under the sun well one to nine that's not every number but yeah yeah yeah. every number under the any yeah yeah and then and especially if there are things out there that are like solid tools that like the big five that could absolutely be a better measure of of your personality right um and then not only that but i guess i don't know i think at times it can just be so one of the articles that i read when i was researching this came mm-hmm. from the christian research institute which mm-hmm. is a big apologetic website that you know it's it's really well established but this guy who was writing about it was uh the title of the article really struck me almost more so than the whole article did the article is really good it was uh-huh. going into the history of it um but it said, tell me who I am, O Enneagram. <laughs> and that that just stuck with me so well because it's just like, man, we are relying so heavily on these tests to tell us who we are mm-hmm. instead of relying on the spirit to tell us who we are. Yeah. And I think there are times where like these tests can be helpful with interpersonal relationships and in ministry, we can maybe see how we can react better to other people. But I think a lot of that comes with understanding the fruits of the spirit and it not mattering how other people are and reacting in a godly manner, despite the situation and despite the other person's personality. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely, and I don't know, man. I see the point in that. Sure. Um, and, and again, I, I want to reiterate, mm-hmm. I, I think coming, approaching any of these personality tests, mm-hmm. you have to do it from a biblical perspective first. Sure, right. Um, and and that's that's what we can't get away from. Yeah. Um, and and so I think looking at these, so I, under, I completely understand and agree with mm-hmm. everything that you're saying. Sure. Um, I just see in the example that you, that you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. where say you relate to a different number each time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what do you, the question would be, well, what did you relate to about that number? And, and is that really true for you? And is, is, is what you related to, uh, is that something that is helping you right now mm-hmm. through your current emotional, mental, um, state? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and is that a way that you can kind of help improve yourself mm-hmm. again, filtering it through the word. Right. Um, right. and, and if you take away good things from that, Again, filtering it through the word. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want. I can't iterate that enough because yeah. I think it's well. Really, that's the key. Right, that's the right. key when it's, you're talking about these right. things. It's yeah. really easy to kind of slip down the slippery slope. Right, and and exactly what that article said. Yeah, you know, O enneagram or O whatever. Apply yeah. it even even the big five. Right. O big five. Yeah, exactly. Tell me who I am. You know? Right. Um, even these evidence based things, mm-hmm. we have to filter these things through the word. Right. Um, and so I, I think if if we can gain some insight about ourselves, mm-hmm. even if it's just momentary insight about how we're feeling in a certain moment, mm-hmm. I think that that's a good thing. Sure. Um, but again, 
and in my notes at the very bottom, I put hold on loosely, yeah. um, because we have again, personality is so fluid. It's different depending on the day, on the situation. Um, something that uh, actually my buddy mentioned, which I hadn't thought about, but even personality um, in, across cultures, mm-hmm. you know, something that may be perceived as super aggressive in mm-hmm. our culture may not be aggressive at all right. in a different culture. Right. Yeah. And so personality across cultures is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and geographic locations, you know. And so there isn't any right or wrong, you know, or, or like consistent thing like personality wise that that applies to everyone on this earth mm-hmm. you know where it's like you are or aren't this right. everything is a gradient yeah you, you you you're a little bit of this and you're a little bit of that mm-hmm. and that may change tomorrow you mm-hmm. know um but again seeing people through the word and seeing right seeing and and letting the spirit give you discernment about that mm-hmm. i think is is first Sure. You know, and and if we can use these things as tools, um, to to maybe help understand ourselves better, um, again, I just I see the usefulness in that. Yeah, I do see where we have to be cautious, mm-hmm. um, and where lots of other people have to be cautious, and we have to be cautious about how we use these things, um, but uh, I think with a healthy caution. We can still use them. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, I think, and I, and I think I would agree with that too. Because, like, so going into church planting and starting or tr- trying to get together a launch team, and thinking about the different personalities that could go into that, and seeing how we could, you know, those different personalities would relate to one another and where they would fit, and and how we can like uh, avoid, you know, future conflict and things like that. I think right. at times these kind of tests would, you know, could be a useful tool with that. And they could mm. they could uh, point to potential, um, I guess, not roadblocks, but like speed bumps, I guess, or, yeah. or potholes. Well, okay, in, great example. Yeah. Um, we were just talking about two friends of ours, and you mentioned how one person happens to be a certain way uh-huh. and another person happens to be a certain way. And are they like that all the time? Probably not. But in the situation that we were talking about, they were like <sighs> sort of uh, portraying these certain traits. Mm-hmm. And and recognizing that they're portraying these traits is huge because it helps us understand why they're thinking what they're thinking and mm-hmm. why they're acting how they're acting. Yeah. Um, and, and does that mean that they're like that all the time? Yeah. And in every situation? Not necessarily, but in some situations. Right. That like that might be a pattern for them. Sure. And so, if we can recognize that, it may help us to understand them better, and maybe not get frustrated at them about things. And it may help us to understand sort of what frustrates us about people. Yeah, for sure. And, and how right. we can communicate better. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. No. It's just, and it's all like, and again, like you said, just holding it loosely. And right. because I think that like if you were to do that with these people. Um, if you were to just assume that every time they react this way, it's because of this motivation, like that could be wrong. Like exactly. you could be completely off base. Exactly. And like, well, I mean, maybe that one time I had that motivation, but the reason I'm reacting this way this time is because of this. A, you know? a different motivation. So it's just, right. yeah. But like, I mean, like you said, it could definitely, it can be a tool. But for me, I think I would, I guess moving forward with like, you know, church planning stuff and doing, doing, 
thinking about like team management, I guess is mm-hmm. the best way to put it. Like, I think I would prefer to use something like the Big Five or something like that. That yeah. that I feel like would have a little bit more science to back it up and mm-hmm. then also like you said like man filtering that through the word because that right. that in and of itself is not going to solve team issues it's only going to be through the grace of god having the team in the word and approaching each other with like grace and and with the fruits of the spirit right right um and those things can be a tool that can be an aid to the Bible, not the Bible be an aid to it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and something else is to remember is that like we grow, like mm-hmm. we're being sanctified. Right. And so, you know, yeah, exactly. The, the, right. The, the like quote weaknesses of whatever our personality is, our personality traits and the weaker sides of that, mm-hmm. um, you know, like those can change, you know? Yeah, uh, definitely. We can, our, our personality can change over time, hopefully to become more and more like Christ, you know? Right. I mean, that's the point. Definitely. Um, and so I think one downside to, to some of these things is um, it can be used as an excuse of, mm-hmm. ah, man, you know, that's just that's just a weakness of mine. Right, it's you just know? the way I am. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but it's not an excuse, you know, like we, we can grow right. um, through Christ. Something else I, I was curious about uh, to get your opinion on mm-hmm. is how this relates to spiritual giftedness tests. Ah, yeah. That's something that Katie and I touched on, too. Okay. All right. Cool. So I'm going to try not to, like, betray myself yesterday because I think I'll say the same thing, but I hope <laughs> I don't just, like, contradict. point today. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I go back and forth, man, on, on the validity of spiritual gift testing because I think what can often happen with these things is that they end up just being a – talents test yeah um or something that you feel like you're good at i have to say like going through a lot of these a lot of like the tests that i've done Mm -hmm. even the like quote like the good ones or the better ones Mm -hmm. a lot of them feel a lot like like the Mm myers-briggs where a lot of the times on a lot of the questions i'll be like well it just depends yeah depends on how i'm feeling that yeah exactly like sometimes i can feel like i am very uh hospitable is that the right word i'm really into hospitable like you can live on my body uh like (laughs) hospitality hospitality, like however yeah that's hospitable isn't it yeah okay yeah yeah, hospitable (laughs) i made that way weirder than it needed to be but like there are times where i feel more into hospitality than other days like sometimes i can just be like yes i want to have my neighbors over i want to tell them about jesus i want to feed them stuff and then other times i'm just like i just want them to stay in their house and not even like look in my way because it's just like i'm a moody guy at times and my moods change yeah uh and so you're so neurotic i'm super neurotic man just ask kayla she'll tell you all day long (laughs) um but yeah so i think that those tests can i think not by saying that they're worthless because i don't necessarily think they're worthless but again the point that we made with the personality yeah but i think they're completely worthless worthless. but i kind of think they are because okay so here's my thing so i think that the best measure of your spiritual gifts is by asking people around you and i think that will do far more than any kind of gift assessment test that you could ever imagine because The gifts, like we, like I just said earlier, it ends up just being a thing that you feel like you're good at. It can mm-hmm. end up just being like this this talent thing. But spiritual gifts don't always line up with the things that you feel like you're talented at. Yeah. And the example I used was of Paul. Uh, so Paul said that he wasn't a 
particularly good looking guy. Mm -hmm. And he said that he was not strong in speech. And yet he was the best evangelist that we ever had. He was crazy strong in speech. Yeah. Well, not in the normal sense. Yeah. Um, and yet, like you said, like the spirit through his weakness made him strong in yeah. that area. And that's a spiritual gift. It has nothing to do with what we are naturally talented at. Sometimes mm -hmm. it, it is. And sometimes it overlaps like people right. who are pastors and they're naturally good at speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, they can, you know, use that, and right. that is their spiritual gift. Right. Or pastoring but, or shepherding, you know. Right, yeah. But I think other times it, it's not that way at all. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, for instance, for for me, I, I feel like I'm a horrible preacher. Like I don't feel confident at all with preaching. Uh, but that may end up being something that God calls me yeah. into. Well, you're good at it, despite well, I how you feel. Uh, what's that? <laughs> I said despite how you feel. Oh, see, and I don't think so Well, okay, I say that. I have a very small sample size. I've really only heard maybe two of your. Oh, okay. Of well, your, yeah. So, but of the no two that I've heard, about, yeah. of the two that I've heard. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. But I'm not, and I'm not saying that preaching is my spiritual gift. I know. Um, but I think that that's an example of exactly. what it could be. Right. Um, and so I think that, yeah, we can use our talents for the glory of God, but I think you should not box yourself in by that because often, yep. I mean, we're, we're told in scripture that he, our weaknesses are his strength. And so, the things that we're just like, oh, no, God can never use me there. Mm -hmm. Like that is the most arrogant thing to say because yeah. you are limiting, you're trying to limit what God can do through you and the spiritual gifts that he's actually given you. Yeah. And we have to stop measuring that by these these tests, these, these man-made tests. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, again, at times if you're really struggling – with confidence or something like that, and you need you need something to just give you a boost and just to not necessarily like a confidence boost, but just a just an idea of what maybe something that you can do if you're not doing anything some, at the time. Right, some spark, of right, a, right, yeah, some some inspirations. Like okay, so like I'm I'm maybe good, a little bit good. I'll just use hospitality again. Like mm -hmm. like I scored high in hospitality. Maybe I can try to you know, host someone at my house and you realize that you've been given the gift of evangelism, even though that doesn't really feel like what it is. But the person that you hosted through that hospitality inspiration, mm -hmm. you ended up speaking with them for hours about the gospel. Right. Um, and so I think, I think they can be good, but again, when it goes back, it goes back to those personality tests. You've got to, yeah. you've got to hold it very loosely yeah. and yeah. realize that spiritual gifts are something that, is not always manifested in our physical strengths. Yeah, yeah. So. And again, I think I think you really hit the nail on the head when it comes to personality and spiritual giftedness. Um, when you mentioned having other people assess you. Right. Um, because, yeah, I mean, we're not the best at self-examining. I know I'm not. Um, and we're pretty selfish, prideful people. And sometimes it's hard to see things about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you can surround yourself with people who are going to tell you the truth about the good things and the bad things, um, about your personality and your spiritual giftedness, um, I think that's going to give you the more accurate picture. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree with that. So yeah, I mean maybe that's a good place to leave it too because we're we're pretty far into the into the number. I gotta okay. apologize to Katie because uh, I only gave her thirty minutes because I thought 
we were going to stick with 30 minutes. So sorry, Katie, for if I if I cut you off and I didn't let you talk as this, much as you wanted to talk. This could just be a longer one. I mean, we could make a part two. So we will definitely do a part two, but let's go ahead and end this particular podcast right now. Cool. So thank you guys for listening. Um, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash T, the number four D. So patreon.com slash T4D. And uh, you can become a supporter for as little as $5 a month. That's just like an overpriced cup of coffee at Starbucks. And you can, uh, when you support us, you are helping us continue this podcast, make it better, um, up the production value, hopefully at some point, which would be really cool. Um, and then also we're working on merchandise. You can ask questions to be answered on the podcast, a bunch of different things. And uh, you're also helping just the Truth For Doubt ministry overall, which is included in that is also future church planting as well. And that's a that's a huge thing. But uh, yeah, so check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash T4D. You can also check us out on Instagram at truth4doubt, which is truth, the number four, doubt. We removed the underscores. So it is just all one word, truth, number four, doubt. Perfect. Yeah, it's way easier than before. <laughs> I don't know why I put the underscores in it. Um, and uh, soon, if you live in Medina in West Tennessee or the surrounding areas, Truth For Doubt is also going to start writing articles for the Medina Echo. So be looking out for that. We're going to be doing articles twice a month. So it, it won't be in every single weekly paper, but it'll be in every other weekly paper. So again, if you live in Medina or the surrounding areas in West Tennessee, Look out for that. You can also check out our webpage at truthfordoubt.com. Trying to give it some, I guess, a facelift yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we've been working bit. on it. You've yeah. been working on it. I can't say we. Oh, no, you you're have. fine. Well, your face is on it now. So you yeah. can check out Ethan's face and Katie's face. Your yeah. both faces are on it. That's great. We're contributors now. You're contributors, yeah. Um, so uh, check that out. Um, it's still going through a little bit of a change in process, so just be patient with that. It'll look better than it does now eventually web design stuff is hard and i'm learning that the most horrible way possible so <laughs> anyway thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this podcast the biggest thing that you can do for us is just word of mouth share it with your friends and uh yeah. and if you could just give us a a subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined if you don't then please just don't rate us at all because I can't handle a one star. That'll hurt hurt me. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear criticism. Uh, <laughs> but actually, that is something. If you have any ideas for the show, something that you may want to hear or a topic that you are interested in, um, you can. we can't answer your specific questions, but we would love to hear from you at truthfordoubt at gmail.com. If you have anything that would make this show better, let us know. We want to hear from you. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Until next time. <coughs> Thank you, guys.